Cold Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show for show updates. And please rate and review our show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us, we've got... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! And it is Armando's week. It's my week! Uh, so, we're... Uh, I'm gonna... You guys are in for a real treat. Oh, no. We're going back to one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, white supremacy! Yay! No! No! It's real fun that I got the white person to yay, though. Oh, <laughs> It was all a trick. Uh, so we're covering a group today, and um, I think we're going to start it off. Uh, we're going to start it off like this. I'm setting the tone. <laughs> and no one can hear that. You're just wiggling your no, fingers. I'm setting the tone for you guys. You got jazz hands? Yeah, that's the tone. Oh, okay. Skip <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was a cold, quiet morning in Ames, Iowa on January 25th, 1994. I went to college there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cold, quiet morning. Wait, how Andreas is it going to be quiet college. if you've got jazz hands and skibbity bebops going? Uh, it was a cold, jazzy morning <laughs> in Ames, Iowa. I guarantee you it wasn't. I seen, <laughs> I've seen Ames, Iowa on January 25th, 1994. Until, at around 10.30 a.m., two men burst into the First Star Bank on Main Street. The men, wearing ski masks and trench coats, waved their 9mm pistols and demanded everyone to get on the ground. One of the men kept watch at the entrance, while the other one leapt over the counter and emptied the registers. After the money was collected, the collector took something out of his bag and put it on the counter. A bomb. His instructions were simple. If anyone moved, the bomb would go off. In less than 90 seconds from when they entered the bank, the two men were gone, taking $11,000 with them. FBI agents were on the scene shortly, but too late to catch them. And with no prints, no faces, and no leads, the agents were left waiting for a report on the money being spent. Unfortunately, no banks reported the cash. That's because the cash was spent on a van and a small stockpile of weapons. Because the money wasn't the goal. It was just a means to an end. Eliminate the government exterminate the Jews and non-whites, and return the country to the Bible. These were the goals of one of the most infamous gang of bank robbers in modern American history, the ARA, the Aryan Republican Army. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface all of this with like a little thing. 
Okay, yes, they're bad. They're bad people. No, they're, the, I don't think there needs to be a yes, but. They're, they're bad <laughs> people. Yes. They're bad people. Okay, depending on who you ask, they're bad if people. If you're asking sure. me, they're bad people. They're yes. definitely bad people. Most yes. people you ask should say they're bad people. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> but they're the fucking coolest, dude. Everything that they do is so cool. Everything that they do up until a point is the coolest thing. After we'll we'll hit a point. Is this one of those things where like people are like, okay, the Nazis were terrible, but those Hugo Boss suits. Like, come on now, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's exactly that same thing where it's just like, oh man, that's so bad that they did that, but also like, fuck yeah, dude. It's so cool. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't like it. They're fucking intense. They're super... Okay. All right. First of all, before I get any more fanboy, for some weird reason... They would hate every single part of they me, by the way. They would super murder No, you. they'd only hate half of you. <laughs> and even that, I don't know. Because they just they're, hate everything. Uh, so here are the sources for today's episode. The 99-page FBI file on the Midwest bank robbers that I had to fucking read all of it. Oh, no, a hundred pages. That's like a fourth of a Harry Potter book. Killing God's Enemies uh, by John Brooke, which is a book that I bought and read this morning for $8. You sent me pictures of it. (laughs) Yeah, I was real upset because they had literally everything of the book was for free online except for the relevant things I needed. Oh, damn it. So I had to buy the book. The Washington Post and the Turner Diaries. Ooh. Yes. So let's get into it. Um, The ARA, or as they're formally known, the Aryan Republican Army, or as they're known by most people that don't know that they're a bunch of white supremacist assholes, the Midwest bank robbers, uh, were a couple of bank robbers that existed and acted from 1994 until 1996. They robbed about 22, I believe, 22 banks together and garnered a quarter of a million dollars, all said and done. Um, they were to go to law school <laughs> <laughs> for one for one person or one year. I guess. Here's Sorry. okay, guys. Here's what we're gonna do. We're all gonna grow the same mustache, and then we will collectively get a law degree, and that will take us out of this shithole that we call Iowa. Ames <laughs> is a great city. Fuck you. Yeah, I looked it up. It looked. Uh, it looked like a city for sure. Do they have for a Panera sure. bread? No, no. Do they have a what? Panera. Do they bread? have a Panera bread? Oh yeah, they totally do. Okay, oh, then it's all right. It's in a my college book. town of sixteen thousand people. That's not that many people. For the that's just the college itself. So then the whole town is around it. I started doing There's research into the town, and it was like people move to Ames because they think it's like I don't know what accent this is. People move to Ames because that's they think it's like not an Iowa accent. Uh, you gotta chill, bro. I'm from Iowa, right? <laughs> uh, so people move here to like get away from the crime, but like we actually have a lot of crime. I feel like... Yeah, two people died while I was there. I had no idea that Iowa was in Venice Beach, but thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's just like, it's really weird. Like, this accent only comes from, like, two places. <laughs> Vape life, I basically just bored and then do yoga on the beach. Here's the thing. Iowa is full of the most polite racists. That's <laughs> really what it is. Like, everyone's very nice. They're just kind of dumb about race. Go back to where you're from, hey. please. 
<laughs> okay, white people, go back to England. What are you yeah. saying? Yeah, I'm, get out of here, white people. I'm just picturing someone being like, oh, the Negroid musculature, best your little heart. Just like that, oh, yeah. like like hardcore. Like There's That's very much the vibe. It's just like they don't. They're not trying to be racist. They just really are just like, oh, you're different. It's like, no, it's it's weird. It's a weird place. I'm not yeah. racist. I just don't want them drinking from the same water fountain. That's all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dumb shit that goes on. And we'll go over just how dumb these dumb people are. Uh, the leader of this group is named Pete Langan. More specifically, his name was Peter Kevin Langan. Peter Kevin Langan was born in 1959 and grew up in Saigon. On a privileged community of U.S. intelligence agencies and military agents because his father was said to have worked for the CIA. Now, the CIA legally will not release the work records of any person that has worked for them for obvious reasons. Right. But according to multiple sources, it's basically been confirmed like they talked to a bunch of people that he used to like grow up with and people that knew his family and they were all like oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was his whole thing um so here's where things get a little sad uh and you're gonna see this a lot every time we go over somebody that's part of the white supremacist movement you're gonna notice a distinct point where things go from like pretty good to just like real shit <clears throat> at nine years old his father passed away uh, that's basically when Pete started fucking up a lot. He dropped out of school in the 10th grade and ran away, and that's when he joined the hippie movement in his preteens during the 60s. Interesting. Started marching for peace and calling for the end of war. Hmm. Uh, and at 19, in 1974, when he was 15, so just remember that, 15, he fled arrest and was shot in the leg. Holy shit! And then he was convicted of robbery and served five years. Damn! Yeah. Was he actually robbing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, if you have listened to last podcast on the left, they did a really interesting episode on um, the death and assassination of John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And they go into something that I thought was really interesting. It's something that we see time and again. The hippie movement was actually a bad thing. Well, it, it radicalized a lot of people without any direction. And yeah. that's, like, a bunch of people are like, yeah, you're right, things are terrible. And then they took that and ran with it in a million different pretty shitty directions. Yeah, no one no one had the answer for everything being shitty. They just knew that it was shitty. And also when you, I'm not, okay, bad idea might be an all-encompassing blanket that doesn't cover it. Because a lot of good stuff came out of it. A lot of civil rights Burn stuff. Burn those bras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 booming of the bra and the lighter industry. Uh, <laughs> well, I feel like you can. I feel like there needs to be a separation to be made. Like the hippie movement isn't wholly responsible for civil rights or women's rights. Oh yeah, Those for sure. Those were movements that were. They had their own following. They their had own their movement. own following, yeah. and, and then they just were... got mainstream attention during that. Exactly. So it's one of those things where it's all the same era, but not necessarily the same people. Oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of the people involved with the hippie movement were just fucking lazy idiots that were like they robbed people. They go over it sometimes. In uh, that's why I brought it up is the the guy who assassinated John Lennon, who ironically wanted to become famous. I can't even remember his fucking name. Um, but oh, that fuck, guy going to make me feel Mark. David Chapman. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> back when the Incredible Hulk, before he was the Hulk, he right. was uh, before he killed him. 
I feel like that's a bad idea. Poor Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo didn't kill he Tom Lennon. He had it rough. Or, oh, uh, boo! He was really into Catcher in the Rye. Didn't know what to do. <laughs> the book fucking sucks. Anyway, um, <laughs> after I demolish all of everyone's favorite stuff, uh, so they talk about how he got robbed by hippies where they were like, oh yeah, we're going to go here and then they stole all the stuff and just abandoned him. That's what hippies did. They yeah, I was going to say, dicks. I don't know if you've met hippies, but like, yeah. I, I've met my fair share. Uh, not a fan always. Uh, I I know some hippies now who like I didn't realize it at the time and just like met people and I was like, you guys are nice and now they just constantly keep inviting themselves to shit. Yeah. But they'll be like, hey, are you going, like you want to come out tonight? And I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm having dinner with other people. Cool, we'll meet you. I didn't invite you to that shit. Yeah. What are you talking about? You don't know the people I'm going out with. It's really weird. And they're kind of... It's very strange. And then the other thing, too, anytime they're like, hey, do you want to go out? It's like, the expectation is that you pay for stuff. What Are they not paying? Wait, what? They, like, they basically are, but it's one of those things where it's almost like they'll pay the bare minimum. Or more than once I've gotten caught with like, thank God you're here. And you're just like, fucking fuck. Do I just walk into a trap of people expecting me to pay for shit? That's yeah. uh, They're that's, fucking hippies, dude. That's that's how called, did you meet these people? They sound it's, horrible. It's a long story. I'll probably cut a bunch of this out. Don't hang out with them. But oh, oh, I try actively not to. But yeah, I mean, no, hippies always be inviting themselves to places. Yeah, hippies kind of... I mean, some of them are good. My grandparents uh, were hippies, like my grandmother. But my grandmother's story, just real quick, is she came from Mississippi and the area that she was from was not very good and kind of racist. And even her parents were not the best with race, but pretty good seeing as how they got this giant Mexican great-grandson. Right. So they were fine with that. But like... I mean, at the time, it's not an excuse, but at the time, they didn't necessarily, they weren't the most politically correct people. And so my grandma left and came to California and just became, like, literally the most liberal person you could ever meet in your entire life. But besides the point, TLDR, hippies kind of fucking suck. Yeah, my, my main experience with them is them inviting themselves places, and then once they find out I have a car or money constantly pestering me to hang out oh yeah you're to hippie use rich. my car or money i am hippie rich yeah, yeah so I'm, was I. i'm I not was... regular people rich i'm just hippie rich no no, no. if you have five dollars on a working automobile boy let's go to woodstock because you're a hippie millionaire yeah exactly yeah fuck art school uh wait <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of art school it was just like me giving people rides places like why am i doing this we're not even f- you're mean to me like a girl who was mean to me all the time asked me to take her to the airport and i was like no Oh my god. Haha, bitch, you're so funny. Haha, bitch. And then she gets in your car. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's not a thing. Every time these people are like, you really don't need a car in Los Angeles. It's like, no, you do. It's my car. I'm driving you everywhere. You're a burden on people. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you don't need a car in Los Angeles, bitch. Santa Monica. That's so far. Walk, bitch. We have no public transit system. We're not on a grid. Everything sucks. Anyway. All right. I'm sorry. That's enough of it. But. Please don't move here. All right. So after he got arrested, (laughs) back to that, after he got arrested, um, he did this thing that happens a lot in prisons where you just kind of start hanging out with the same people as your race. This is something that my father basically explained to me. My father has been to prison uh, a number of times. It's not that he's racist or necessarily that even people you see with like, Nazi prison tattoos. It's not even. 
it's not necessarily that the people that hang out with their own race in prison are racist. It's just that's what happens. And a lot of times, have you ever been hanging out with somebody and you just said something offhand and then you didn't really believe it and then things keep moving and then suddenly they're like, yeah, brother, if you want to keep hanging out, you got to get a swastika. And you're like, ah, I really don't want to get beat up. Sure. <laughs> I feel like this is me in high school before I'd seen the movie Fight Club. And someone was like, you've seen Fight Club? And you're like, yeah, totally. And then they just constantly act like you're a fan yeah. of Fight Club. Until eventually you see it and you're just like, oh, that's all right, I guess. Yeah. it's <laughs> See, the thing that sucks is like my father has like prison tattoos that say like brown pride and shit like that. But that's fine because you're we're we're allowed to be proud. <laughs> but he doesn't believe that shit. He doesn't go. He's not like, yeah, Mexicans are the best. He's just like, yeah, I did this shit in prison. Like that's what I got. I also got this naked woman. It's not. <laughs> he has this. By the way, just my real quick. My dad has an entire sleeve of just naked women, and one of them's all fucked up. Like the one underneath his. Uh, As his in the forearm. tattoo is bad, or the she's like missing a leg. No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, everyone's beautiful in their own way, but this <laughs> this tattoo woman is fucking terrifying. That's true. <clears throat> and everyone's the story beautiful. behind it is because all of them are great. And then on his last week of prison, it was uh, it was tradition that when you were gonna leave, everyone in your like friends group would jump you. But my dad is a massive hulking man, and so they tried to beat him up, and then he just beat them up. <laughs> and one of those people was his tattoo artist who had to finish his prison tattoo. <laughs> so the last little bit of it is just like, well, fuck you then, you're going to beat me up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just don't beat up your artists, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is the whole tangent to say that sometimes people join gangs of their own race but it's not necessarily because they're racist and this is why so many people get like cover-ups of swastikas it's just because out of self-preservation you kind of have to yeah it's we have to create a tribe yeah it's not and skin color is the easy skin color or language or however you look is like the easiest tribe to be a part of oh definitely so that's what happened. Pete starts hanging out with these convicted members of motorcycle gangs and white supremacist groups. And when he gets out, he adopts their interests, which are drinking, smoking, and lots of guns. And just like any time you have lots of guns back in the day, uh, that means you spend time at gun shows. Oh. Yeah. So gun shows, while hanging out with white supremacists, is how Pete was introduced to racist propaganda, like the Turner Diaries. Good lord, the gift that keeps on hurting all of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. First of all, um, I think we're going to move into a little place in the podcast that is quickly becoming my favorite thing. The Speculation Zone? Speculation Zone! So here's something that we're going to talk about now, and we're kind of not going to bring up for the majority of the podcast. Um, Pete, towards early adulthood, realized his true identity which is that he is not Pete, he is actually a woman trapped in a man's body, and his real name is Donna. Wait, is this a real thing? This is real. This is 100% real. Pete is... Um, Pete's transgender. Yes. and I did not see that coming. Towards the beginning of the bank robberies, he just did cross-dressing, which is his words. He dressed up as a woman, but was a man dressed up as a woman. Um, and then at the end, and currently, he is a woman with long, so flowing she, hair. Yeah. So she, she is a woman. She is Donna. Donna. She is Donna. That is, and she is married to a 
female to male uh, transgendered person whose name is Cherie. Um, More common than you'd think. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so that, this is, the speculation zone part comes from here. He almost threw himself super a lot into the hippie movement and then also threw himself into the white supremacist movement and when you are somebody hiding your true identity sometimes you look to some other kind of identity that you can push forward as your own and i think that's why he gravitated so strongly to these very passionate um personalities because it's really weird that he went from like hippie marching for peace to like Let's get all the guns, and also I don't really like anyone except for white people. So you know? he's closeted. He's yeah. looking for belonging in a group, but he he doesn't feel like he can belong to any group because he's not being his true self in any place. Yeah. Also, let me be clear: he didn't necessarily hide this from people. He just openly wore women's clothing. Clothing. He was young thugging it like way back in the day. This surprises me that white supremacists let that fly. Well, at least he wasn't uh, trans Jewish. No, that's not a thing. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, no, that was bad. I think that they really didn't care because he still technically fucked women. Um, and I think that's really all they care about. I, these people are not very, like, they don't really think about stuff that much. I think he just went, like, yeah, like, wearing dresses. And they were like, but you fuck pussy, right? And he was like, hell yeah, brother. And then they were like, well, fuck yeah. And they were, like, fine with it. That's so, I mean, like... The the dissonance. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I don't, oh yeah. No, it's for it's, sure. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's boggling my mind. <laughs> but that is something to keep in mind the whole time. As as this story progresses, he is more and more realizing that he is a woman, and this is why I told you this before we were recording. Pete Langan or Donna. Um, are like an icon in the <laughs> in the gay community. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I'm confused. <laughs> and so everyone in the in the I found articles writing about them and about like how no matter what you're going through, you should always be yourself. But then at the beginning, they also be have to be like, but like, but like, don't be racist. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that it has that disclaimer because there's a part of me that like you said that, and I was just like. Even if you're going to be robbing banks for the Aryan nation, be yourself. (laughs) Always be true to who you are, boo. Always be true. I mean, oh man. I, like, I'm... (sighs) No, it's fucking, it's mind-boggling how how weird it is. It's mind-boggling that they were like, look, brother, I don't care which bathroom you use as long as it's the white one. But, like... (laughs) Jesus! But at the same time... Oh my god! We have a whites-only, all-gendered bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Because part of me is just like, if you are open-minded and progressive enough to view gender as a construct, but you can't see past skin color... My what blow. is happening? I don't know what the yeah. fuck to even say to you. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I think I because this happened in the 90s. So this person and he's born 1959. So he doesn't. He's they my don't, mom's age. They don't necessarily. Yeah. Well, yeah. She is my mom's age. Yeah. Um. This is one of the things that we've run into before. I will be referring to Pete as Pete until Pete becomes Donna, which doesn't happen until post arrest. Okay. So he was Pete until a she long time. Until yeah, yeah, until 
Well, until he was arrested and she was on trial, honestly. There you go. Okay. So, we've talked about it before. We've danced around it. But now I think it's time to fucking dive in. Required reading. The world's worst book club. Oh. Let's go over the fucking Turner Diaries. Oh. Do you guys Are you guys at all familiar with the Turner Diaries? Yes, and I'm disappointed that it's not just the diaries of that one teacher on Boy Meets World that got in a motorcycle accident and then just never came back to the show. A scheduling conflict. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Mr. Um, Turner. I have not. So I bought a copy of the Turner Diaries in Portland when I was there from Powell's City of Books. Great place. Please go visit. Um, Like, they need that. They're so fucking I mean, their gun shows are so popular. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's really what... I bought a Turner Diaries, and then when I opened it, it was actually empty, and there was just a gun. (laughs) (laughs) You know what to do. Just a note. (laughs) It was crazy. Um, But so I bought the Turner Diaries, and I read the Turner Diaries. I've been taking notes on it. So maybe at some point, I'll release, like, the annotated version Uh, of Turner Diaries. Just pages that say, fuck this. This is dumb. It's all stupid. This is stupid. This is... I'm going to go over the most bare-bones, basic summary of the Turner Diaries, and you will see why every group in this, like, category of whites in the white supremacist slash patriot movement, because this is everything. This is the book that inspired the Hammonds, the Bundys, fucking the ARA, the Aryan Nations, the Identity Church, Elohim City. This inspired all of these people, and you will see why. So let's fucking go into it. Ugh. The Turner Diaries are a fictionalized diary, meaning they're, everything in there is not true. And you know that right off the bat from when it picks up in 2099. <laughs> and it's basically... It's a weird, arbitrary year. It's just because like that's when the book ends, and somebody's like, yeah, these are the recently discovered diary of Earl Turner, the chosen one. And then it goes back to like modern-ish times. Mm. Um <clears throat> Which is like the 90s, 80s, 90s. Um, So, fictionalized diary of Earl Turner, a member of the white revolutionary movement that causes a violent overthrow of the Jew-run U.S. government referred to as the system. Uh, A lot of these things are going to sound like cliches, and they didn't become cliches until after this book came out. So just so you know, that's when why some of this stuff is the way it is. So the system confiscates all civilian firearms, which is, you know, a huge fear of gun-owning Americans. They're gonna take our guns! No! And also implements laws making it a hate crime for white people to defend themselves from crimes committed by non-whites. The book, well, that's dumb. That's, yeah. Crimes is crimes. The book also depicts scenes where, like, there's an anti-racism parade, and what they do is they pick out white people and beat the shit out of them, sometimes to death, and that's just part of the parade. Why would you go to that parade, white people? <laughs> like, it's I hate not it. for you. It's not for you. This is like the dumbest The Purge. It's not like where they're, they're like, going yeah. into your out. house. You attended this parade. Yeah, it says that it was like they found people that weren't like part of the parade, but it still means they were on the streets. If you know that that parade is going to happen, stay the fuck inside. Exactly. Uh, Earl Turner joins a group called The Organization, which begins committing acts of terrorism like bombing the FBI headquarters, economic sabotage, and even fucking launching mortars at the President of the United States. Um, Which president? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Editorializing. Um, yeah, when was this written? Probably George Bush Sr., I'm assuming. Or whoever. Is that liberal? No, but they're it's they're anti-government mm. is the thing. This was written, I think, in the eighties, maybe before, maybe the seventies. Let's check. Diaries written when? Uh, publication date nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, because they inspired the order that was in the eighties. This book is from 1978 and started making the rounds in um, <clears throat> gun shows pretty quickly. Uh, so he joins the organization. Oh, so it's Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He liberal as hell. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't George Bush Sr., but he will make a small appearance later on, so oh, just no. be ready for that. Yes. Um after doing all this crazy shit, Turner is initiated into The Order, which is a secret quasi-religious inner circle of elite masterminds who lead the organization. Those of you who have listened to our past episodes like Elohim City will remember The Order, yeah. the group that based their entire premise off of this in the 80s. They were also a group of bank robbers that used their shit to fund their fucking white supremacist shit. Although they did take quite a bit more money and then also did a bunch of stupid shit like fucking take building jobs as part of right, their Right, yeah. Well, they were taking like logging and lumber jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those were the people that killed the radio show host. Right, yeah. So, and these, these two groups are easily confused, but the yeah. order is the one that killed the radio show host and was doing logging jobs and helped... Timothy Leary. No, not Timothy Leary. Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh. Yes. Just wait, because fun times. Uh, So, joins the organization, launching even more mortars, uh, joins the order. Okay. So here's the thing. The the organization doesn't know who the order is, the people that are in charge of their group, because the whole point of this organization is leaderless resistance, which is... Terrorist cells. That's how you make terrorist cells. There is no actual leader. You all act independently with a common goal. And that's how you create a terrorist organization. So that's why these things happen the way that they do. Turner is kidnapped and then interrogated by the FBI and an an Israeli intelligence officer because you gotta throw the Jews in there. Um, And this book is kind of a big jerk-off fest for people of like-minded ideals because he doesn't give them anything. He doesn't give them he doesn't give them anything and he is kidnapped for 2 years. He's in there for 2 years. So This is fictional. This is fictional. This is a made-up guy. Yeah. This is Turner who's taken by the FBI and the Israelis and is tortured and kidnapped or kidnapped and interrogated for uh tortured and interrogated for 2 years and the book basically stops it so it stops there and then it picks up two years later when uh the organization frees him they they come and they save him and then he sees what they've been up to and the organization seizes control of southern california solidifying it as a white sanctuary which good luck (laughs) (laughs) you can take our lives but you can never take our taco trucks (laughs) (laughs) it's very specific that it's southern california and it's like no no like any idea how strong our gays are they do nothing to work out (laughs) 
It's, you will never take us. It's, it's just an army stupid. of like losers will not replace us. <laughs> so they get they get Southern California and Southern California and California become a white sanctuary. Um, and they pick California because there are so many uh, like military bases here. That is true. This was an argument used in the Cal Exit campaign. Is that we have most of the military bases and most of the weapon stockpiles. Exactly. So that's also important. We have in California a fuck ton of like nuclear weapons. Um, So they use... Yeah, that's not the sound they make. (laughs) (laughs) They use this... Holding it sideways. (laughs) 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 I'd like to see these limp dick white boys try to take Compton. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be the funniest thing. (laughs) Try it, It's just because they think think that they're, they're like, well-armed, but it's, like, so are the enemy. (laughs) Oh, oh, you've no idea. It's just ridiculous. So a widespread and very literal race war breaks out. Uh, Non-whites and Jews are executed. The organization uncovers that black sanctuaries, basically the same thing that they did but with black people, are cannibals because they can't provide food for themselves, so they start eating white people. Um, um, yeah, it's... the re- We're getting... None of this makes any sense. No. I know. I was like, if there's a one thing I know, because I have many African-American friends who grew up poor, they can make... Any bit of food lasts a long ass time. Yeah. Like, and also delicious. You watch somebody somehow. cater a wedding for fifteen dollars. Like <laughs> no lie. Yeah, it's 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 there's so many things that happen in here that are so like comedically racist. <laughs> yeah, well to the point where I'm like, do you know any black people? No. I don't think you do. That's where these people's racism comes from. Oh, also, real quick, they also publicly publicly hang all race traders and what they call the day of rope, which is something that comes up a lot in like real life where people chant day of rope and what they're oh saying God. is like let's actually do this let's enact first this. of all there's no way they have the time do they have any idea how many jews and non-whites we have here it's most of us at this point yeah at this point it's but this is specifically so this is different because they're not just calling they are calling for the public execution of all non-whites and all jews but they are calling specifically for hangings which takes a long time. Yeah, exactly. We gotta this get is rope. the most inefficient knots. race war I've ever heard Have of. Have you ever bought a taco? Hang them. <laughs> Hang them. Seriously. What's funniest to me is this whole thing takes so much imagination. Like, he could have written Alice in Wonderland. He could have written Harry Potter. And instead, like, in like all the imagination that that took, you could just imagine that people that don't look like you are also people. <laughs> Yeah, this is also, this is a summarized version. Like, I'm really speeding through. This is ridiculous. Uh, All right, so here's what happens. The organization launches nuclear attacks on New York and Israel, which I can only imagine is because they figured that's where all the Jews are. First one, I mean, hey, you're not 100% wrong. Uh, But also, Israel's army... Like you want to pick a fight with those people? No, they're fucking. They're they the seven day war. They'll just fuck your shit up, dude. Yeah, dude. They do not mess around. They're so the Israeli army practices Krav Maga, which is different from most armies because Krav Maga is self defense 
to the point of like it doesn't matter there is no honor don't die punch a guy in the nuts take out his fucking eyeballs we don't care throw sand in a dude's face fucking live dog yeah yeah so that's what they they are intense that's Um, one of my friends who's another comic who is african-american when trump was elected bought a gun and then started taking krav maga and every time I see her, I'm like, yo, Shondalia, how's the Krav Maga going? And she's like, it's good. I'm training for my red belt. Like, she's crushing it at Krav Maga. She's like, hella strong. That's so see, funny. If so this, great. If this would have been, if she would have been uh, a different shade than what would have happened, if she would have bought a gun, gone to Krav Maga, gotten a copy of this book, and right. then a whole other story. But, uh, so, launching nuclear attacks leads to the fall of most of the world's governments in, again, comedically racist ways. Like, for example, Arabs. Not a specific country, just collectively Arabs take over Israel using fucking clubs and really big knives. I mean, first of all, no. But secondly, you can't just generalize like that. Like, do you want to say, hey, there was a Palestinian uprising? Yeah, maybe. Okay. No, but no, no, like, no, no, They no. wouldn't what? They didn't even say Palestinian. They straight up were just like, yeah, and then the Arabs came in with big old clubs and big knives oh, and just took God. it over. These people and are... took over an army that has nuclear weapons. Thank and, you. And exceptionally trained Thank force. You. Okay. They okay in, in the a place book, of conflict for the past fifty years. In the book, they were only able to do so because they had been hit by a nuclear weapon. So oh, keep so they'd already been hit. Yeah, and that's when the Arabs, according to the book, the Arabs came in with clubs and big knives. I also love that, like, like these, you know, quote unquote, generic Arabs, gen Arabs. Uh, <laughs> these these people live in the modern world. They also have access to guns. Like a nuclear bomb doesn't take away the guns. No, they have only been... liberals can do that. Oh uh, yeah, there we oh, go. Oh man, they literally—it's just like they're riding in on camels and fighting with fucking primitive weapons. They're they're not. They're they're racist. It's all this is the world's most racist book. You guys are complaining, but have this they is... not seen Iron Man? I mean, I know they haven't, but you know. Uh, and that's pretty much the end of the book. The book ends with the organization and the order ruling over the world forever. If you really want to get into the details, basically they kill everyone that's a non-white. Um, they also essentially make peace with everyone that was part of the military because they're like, please don't kill our family. And they're like, okay. And then Earl Turner becomes like the chosen one is what everyone call it. And it flashed forward to 2099 and it's like 110 years after the beginning, the chosen one has finally brought peace onto the world. Do they all get skin cancer and die? Thank yeah, because they're fucking white. <laughs> this book is fucking stupid. Yeah. I can't believe that's the whole plot. I'm like, that's worse than Battlefield Earth. Yeah, no, it's the dumbest book. It's really, it's not so a long bad. book either. It's not like it took me a bunch of time to read. It's not very well written. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's meet these boys. <laughs> oh, God. The ARA was basically comprised of two main people and then four subordinates, I guess you could say. Um, so let's meet them in order. Scott Stedford. Scott Stedford grew up in a middle class family and was an average student. He basically lived a normal life but was real fucking bored because that's what happens when you have a good life. Here's my frustration. These asshats, average students, 
read the Turner Diaries and are like, yeah, sure, I deserve to rule the world. No, dude, you deserve to manage a GameStop. Fucking <laughs> shut your face. Well, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna take you through, like, their upbringing or what I could find of it anyway, and then, like, basically what turned them. So, because they... They do, while not understandable that you became a, a white supremacist, they do have a natural progression. Mm. Um, so he's super fucking bored, and he does what all bored kids do. He starts idolizing rock stars and rock music. Understandable. And that's why, after graduation, Scott started a rock band called Cyanide. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> And they had a, they had a very aggressive energy, and the look of the band was something popular at the time from where they were pulling their sources, which was like a shaved head look and like combat boots and like black, and so they kind of looked like skinheads. And because they were so aggressive and looked like skinheads, their big fan base was skinheads. Skinheads, yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. So Scott began. That's like how we mentioned Lacroix and cheese, and now everyone believes that we love Lacroix and cheese. Sometimes at the shoe fits we wear do. it. But we do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, you look like a skinhead, you sound like a skinhead. I probably s- won't drink LaCroix. Probably a skinhead. <laughs> uh, oh, Scott. The whitest of waters. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the French water. Uh, <laughs> Scott began working for a recording studio where he met and began dating a woman named Susan Palilonius. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Pal Ilonius. P A L. I-L-O-N-I-S. Doesn't sound American to me. Yeah. Theoretically, theoretically, it should be my favorite name because it has two words that I love in it, which is pal and lil, but... eh. Lil is not a word, dude. Lil. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. (laughs) The second. Um, Yeah. Uh, Susan was... A recruiter for a local skinhead gang, and basically her Wait house. Wait, time out. Yep. Skinhead gangs have recruiters. Yep. Like someone is what like, are the "Hi, so you're looking to join the skinheads? Can I see your references, and uh, we'll get you an offer letter by the end of the week?" No, no, no. no Literally, it's like, it's you like have this. the right look. We should fuck. You should shave your head and oh, hate everyone. Oh, there you go. Uh, hi. Uh, are you Scott? Scott Stedford. Hi, Scott. I'm, uh, nice to meet you. My name is, uh, Drew, and I represent the local district of skinheads. Now, we've noticed you have a, a lot of aggressive music and a pretty bald head already. Uh, how would you like to come aboard? Hold on. Oh, yeah. Have you heard the good word about mayonnaise? <laughs> it's a lifestyle now. Anyway, Heil Hitler, have a good day. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking, oh, they, no. they're looking, everyone's looking for people. Um, and so her house was basically. Everyone's looking for people? Yeah, it's like, like we're all. Like ice? Ahead. We're all looking for love in the wrong, in the wrong places. Um, so Susan, her house was basically like a hot spot for white supremacists, and she starts dating Scott, and that's how Scott gets brought into it, and this is how Scott meets another guy named Michael Bracia, uh, because they're introduced through Susan. <clears throat> Michael Bracia grew up in a nice upper middle class family. He did well in high school and was accepted into university. Um, but he was also bored with his fucking mundane life, so he started hanging around with the wrong crowd and started fucking this woman named 
Susan Palawanis. Oh, no! no! She'd be fucking... That's like a, that's like a skinhead conversion Inuit pussy. Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yikes. what I've been able to ascertain is that it seems like... Is skinheadedness like- an STD? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you got the bald. <laughs> Yikes. You got bald, bald. Oh. Bald, bald. Gross. Hell, Hitler, have a good one. Oh, nope. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Um, There's just like a revolving door where like one he goes in and he comes out bald and like go <laughs> yeah. into her room and like oh no No, it's just her vagina. They're just yeah. uh, uh, natural she... Rogaine. <laughs> or I guess Nair. Uh, the, the, nair. The natural natural Nair. Um so what I can ascertain is that it kind of seems like her recruiting methods were more oral sexual? <laughs> I was gonna say hands-on. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so uh, you're saying she took it lying down. Hey, <laughs> get it like a lion. Okay. Anyway, um, so that's how he meets Scott, and then Scott and Michael hit it off, and Michael joins the band Cyanide. <laughs> Wait, so they are fucking the same lady? Yeah. Then no. they become best friends. What is yes. this Motley Crew? I want to be specific because I did use terms specifically scott stedford was dating susan michael was described as fucking susan oh yeah but then they became friends yeah did they write songs about it yeah did they know i have not listened to any of cyanide's music oh because you value your hearing I just couldn't find it, honestly. Oh, yeah. If they would have made it easier to find, then maybe. Next week, you've got a lot of music, so. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, then we meet Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is a sad tale. Um, genuinely. Yeah. Did Susan break his heart? No. <laughs> so the other two are really stupid, but this one is the one that I kind of feel for him a lot. So Kevin, at the age of seven, his mom died, and oh. then his father just left. Oh. Like, was like, well, fuck this family, I'm gonna go, and then just kind of had a separate family from then on out. Kevin started being raised by his grandmother, and then he got expelled from three different schools in, like, a year. Damn. And started self-medicating with cigarettes and alcohol, and then started smoking weed. When and he was then seven? doing Coke and LSD. This was, like, when he was Like a 13? teenager, yeah. Ooh, that's 13. too young, that's baby young. boy. Uh, and at 14, after his grandmother tried to send him to rehab twice fuck kevin ran away and began to hang around the atlantic city boardwalk uh if you've never been the atlantic city boardwalk is where a lot of gangs hang out it's a sad place hey, hey, yeah guidos are not a gang oh. <laughs> uh this is where he met a man named frank mink uh m-e-e-i-n-k mink uh who indoctrinated him into the church of christian identity oh yeah, yeah. we covered that on the elohim city episode yeah so basically it's not a real religion it's just christianity but it's saying that all that violent shit is justified and also fuck everyone who's not white yeah mm. that's the that's the religion yeah that's no that's 100%. you know like jesus used to say <laughs> <Yeah>. love <laughs> your neighbor as yourself you know as how is your neighbor uh, is this color <laughs> You it ironically me. takes more from like the Old Testament, which is the fucking Torah. Yeah, well, that's always the- what bugs me about Christian identity, where they're like, "Fuck the Jews," and I was like, "Oh, you mean the people that God chose, dipshits?" Yeah, you fucking 
morons. Um, so Kevin Kevin starts hanging out with Frank, uh, and Frank introduces him to the Church of Christian Identity, and also takes it a step further and helps him join the Atlantic City Skinheads, another skinhead group. Um, this is something worth mentioning. Not all white supremacists are part of the same gang. There's stuff like the Aryan Nation, the Ku Klux mm-hmm. Klan, the Skinheads. These are all separate factions. Eggshell. Yeah. Tote. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking off-white. <laughs> Porcelain. Ooh. Are we painting a house? <laughs> um... So after he joins, he moves back to Philadelphia in 1993, where he begins to live with his grandmother again, but also his uncle, a fucking police officer. Ooh. Yeah, and it seemed to be high-ranking. I was able to place it as either a sergeant or a lieutenant, which is, if you've ever watched Dexter, you know, is, like, right above detective. Yeah, I mean, that's what I have surmised <clears throat> from Law & Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both watch shows. Um, in an attempt to quit drinking, Kevin started attending an identity church Bible study group where he met and started living with Mark Thomas. Mark Thomas, you might recognize from our Elohim City episode. Mm-hmm. He popped up a couple times. Here's the story of Mark Thomas real quick. Mark was a high school dropout who made ends meet by working various jobs until he joined the army, but then he went AWOL and fled to Canada. Here's a fun fact. Most of these people who joined the military are fucking bad at doing it. I'm not saying the military. I'm saying these idiots are all people who will go over it. Most of them did join the military and then got kicked out for various reasons. Well, they have this idea of masculinity that is, oh, I'm a part of the military and I can do this thing, but they they suck at it. So, like, there's a lot of self-hatred involved yeah. in what they're doing. Well, and the military is group mentality. Like, yeah. It, you have to function as a group or else everyone dies. Honestly, some of them are not bad at group mentality. It's just the fact that they are not good at something and then the first sign of them not being good at it is like well fuck this it's not my fault it's this it's these jews they're <laughs> me out it's um, their locks and bagels that are stopping me from aiming my gun oh correctly. you oh you wonder why they're so strong it's because their breakfast is protein and carbs With they're unstoppable that they light one at a time oh, they're jews. successful comedians <laughs> Please book me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so he was he went AWOL, fled to Canada, eventually got arrested and dishonorably discharged. Uh, that's when he moved back to Pennsylvania, and this was just kind of shoehorned in here into every story, so that whole thing happened, and then he moved back home, got married, and just moved onto a farm seemingly pretty instantaneously. Just kind of, he just showed up and went, hey, who wants to be my wife? And then just moved into a farm. With the first person that said yes. Um, Mark was a religious fanatic who was really attracted to end of the world and doomsday religions like Odinism or Jung's theory of Arianism. But he was also a big fan of the of the gloomy, doomy music of the Doors, specifically Jim Morrison. Oh. And 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 says Oh, boy. And alleges that the seminal point in his life was a conversation with the front man for the doors, Jim Morrison, uh, about the meaning of life. He says that that is the most important part of his life. And Jim Morrison said, I don't know. <laughs> so that's it. 
probably didn't happen. And or it uh, did while Jim Morrison was fucking high on God knows what. Yeah, Jim yeah. Morrison's famous. He doesn't give a fuck about you. You dumb. Okay. Also, real quick fun fact: uh, co-host of the show, Andrea Gazetta, forgot that Jim Morrison was the head of the Doors and thought that Morrissey was the frontman <laughs> for the Doors. Can I tell you that I'd be more into the Doors words. if that was the case? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't like Morrissey as a person, but his music is, ooh, it's so good. It's so gloomy. That's the Mexican half of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mexicans love, Mor- uh, love Morrissey. love Morrissey. Oh, Jim Morrissey. Why didn't I think oh of that before? Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, that's just to embarrass you. I still don't know the difference. <laughs> there isn't one. Anyway, uh, eventually Mark Thomas was introduced to the Church of Christian Identity, which is kind of the best doomsday belief there is out there for white people because there is an apocalypse coming yeah but it's gonna put whitey on top you know which is not what the bible says by the way <laughs> no 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 no. bible's like all y'all die <laughs> it's almost like uh it chose a couple people to be the best of the best uh it kind of seems that way best of the best of the best sir <laughs> um hold on i gotta burp or throw up probably burp it was a burp. So Mark's new religion did cause a bunch of problems, like his wife left him and he lost his job as a truck driver. Here's the thing. That'll do it. You don't have to be a good person to be a truck driver. <laughs> what did you do? That was so bad. You don't even have to fucking... There's no customer communication. You literally just sit in a truck and drive for hours. What were you doing? We actually have listeners that are truck drivers. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. I've met truck drivers who are really cool. They have like a whole setup in their car. Mm-hmm. That's great. What but, did you do? Yeah, my uncle's a truck driver. Has been for years. Um, yeah, I, I have I have no idea uh, that, I mean, from what I hear, it's kind of, well, here, I'll give you this. If you, like, fuck up the truck. Yeah. It didn't seem like that. He blamed it on the fact that he started being a ch- church or Christian identity member. Yeah, probably not. No, That's probably I, not why. <laughs> I'm, not offend, I'm not trying to offend truck drivers, but I think it's really hard to believe that he was the first racist truck driver. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Mainly, for, mainly because who's going to even know if you're racist? There's no one else in your truck. Like, unless you're on the Niner Niner, uh, Niner, <laughs> Niner, Niner Niner White Power Niner Niner. <laughs> This is the I hate the Jews. This is the worst Smokey and the Bandit episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Smokey and the Bake Bandit. All right. So um, he basically just used this as an excuse to dive full on into the religion and started becoming like almost like a preacher of the Church of Identity, Christian Identity. Um, he traveled to Idaho to study under Richard Butler, who also lived for a brief time on Elohim's in Elohim City. But he's most known as the founder of the Aryan Nations. Gross. Uh, yeah, he was a pretty prominent member of the white movement. And Mark also shot up the ranks and became a pretty prominent member, too. Just a note, the white movement, always like half a beat off. <laughs> just slightly out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the Cupid shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> to the left, to I the like left, this all they tell right, me what to all do. right, all right. That's funny. Uh, 
He, uh, Mark was even honored as a featured speaker at the Aryan World Congress, which, what the fuck? Come what on. What is that? It's like a big old convention for white people, um, which I thought was just Comic-Con, but or I guess... Or just the gathering of the Juggalos. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, uh, Juggalos aren't racist. Juggalo fact. Yeah, family. Yeah. We're all family. Family. Uh, that's at the Congress. That's where he met another prominent member of the white power movement, Mr. Richard Lee Guthrie Jr. That's a very white name. Yeah, he is the second in command of the bank robbers. What a dick. Yeah, so Richard has been described as highly intelligent, extremely bizarre, and as someone who, quote, loves to demolish shit. See, now I'm just picturing like a Willy Wonka, but just for white supremacy. Do you remember when we did the Om Shinrikyo episode? The Zog berries taste like Zog berries. Sorry, the Om Shinrikyo episode? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when we did the Om Shinrikyo episode and we recorded an episode with... uh, um, Bobby. With Bobby, thank you. Uh, Shouts out Bobby. I think... Bobby and Richard are a lot alike, except for the racism. <laughs> yeah, you're probably just, they ended up on different sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's it. They're they're super smart, and they just love to blow shit up. That that's sounds it. like Bobby. Bobby, I should note, also looks like the ideal member of the Aryan race. Yeah. He's their poster child. All of these people are either bald by choice or balding not by their own choice, and it's real funny to look at. Yeah, Bobby looks like a Hitler youth. Just, yeah. like, blonde, well, tall. He's like Hitler mid 30s. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Richard uh, was petty theft. He was not, he was kind of a criminal, kind of a bad guy. And then he joined the Navy uh, and his high intelligence and need to blow shit up (laughs) basically got him steamlined into the uh, training for advanced weapons and explosives. So he has great, yeah, military experience on how to blow shit up. Um, while in the Navy, Richard was introduced to the Turner Diaries because I don't know if you guys know this, but inside of the military are plenty of gangs. It's right, actually yeah. Wait, a really? huge problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Within the military are a number of motorcycle gangs. I also, it is worth noting that I lived for a couple of years in uh, Oceanside right next to Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Camp Pendleton is a huge, I mean, fucking massive it's its own city it is it it really is i you can work there you can literally like they have their own shopping centers suburbias they have everything they have a hospital that is just for them um and it's like they're all normal sized shit i know it sounds insane but it's like as big as oceanside it's crazy normal i talked to the last time i was in san diego there was a couple that we were talking to that they said they were staying in an airbnb on Pendleton. Yeah. Because her husband had served, and because he had been in the military, they were eligible to stay on Pendleton, which yeah. is right on the ocean. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's great if you can go. I used to know Marines that did comedy in San Diego, and their houses were beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. It's very fun. Um, but so they have that. They also have a couple Navy bases. I think there's an Air Force base, and then another 
base. Uh, but in San there's Diego, one down in IB because yeah. I did. I've done a show at their VFW down there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, that's yeah. a Navy base. It's fucking. There's so many bases down there. It's insane. Yeah, and so you'll meet these people, and they're they're like they have like their own motorcycle gangs. They have their own like um, even race based gangs inside of that's military. So the lady who set up our show them. at the VFW trained motorcycle drivers. Yeah. And was, I believe, patched into something, but I don't know why. So, yeah, they have gangs. That's all you really need to know. So, after, pretty immediately, pretty immediately after reading the Turner Diaries, he was court martialed and dishonorably discharged for painting a swastika on the hull of a ship. Oh, my God. Which is like, you ever just get into something and you're like, <laughs> fuck yeah! And then it's like too much, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just watch an anime and then a week later you've got a tattoo of one of the girls from the show. You guys ever do that? No. You... Can I see that tattoo? I'm gonna yeah. hide my leg. I'm kidding. I don't. Oh. I don't have. Oh, it. thank God. Not yet. Um, Yikes. After he was booted from the Navy, that's when Richard returned to a life of crime, uh, becoming increasingly more and more violent. So, here's where we get to the fun part. All these people meet up. Um, some of them are staying on Mark Thomas's farm. And then Mark Thomas, along with his people, like Kevin McCarthy, as well as, for a brief time, Scott and Michael, uh, all move to Elohim City. And mm-hmm. when they get here, because they're all members of either the Skinheads or the Church of Christian Identity, they meet Richard Lee Guthrie and Pete Langan, who are already living there and... Funny enough, we're like lived down the block from each other as kids, but didn't know it until they were like older or didn't become as close friends. There's racism <clears throat> in the water. Oh, yeah. Don't drink the water. It's. Oh, wait. No, that's Mexico. Yeah, maybe racism has a point. Anyway. No. no. <laughs> oh, I, no. Please don't isolate that. But also, please don't drink the water in Mexico. You'll get dysentery. Is that real? Is that real? That, yeah, that's why you shouldn't drink the water oh, in I Mexico. Thought it was a, I thought it was just a joke in a Woody Allen play. No, 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 no. I remember going or to Giardia. Mexico you as a get, kid. Yeah, like you can get Giardia. Um, as a kid, they, they would, in your hotel room, give you just giant bottles of water. India, too. Yeah, and they would just be like, brush your teeth with this bottled water. Jesus <laughs> like, Christ. don't drink the water. Drink so much water in Mexico, I think I'm going to die. Well, have you had massive diarrhea after? No, just when I go to, like, Taco Bell, which is like Mexico in America, that's right? True. Yeah. There, that's what Mexico's their em- really it's like. Their, it's their embassy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love. if we're being honest, though, like every time I go to Mexico, I love when you just get to have a real authentic chalupa. <laughs> mm, oh, and then you go down to Mexico City, there's this little bodega, and you go inside and they've got a treat. You can only get it in uh, Mexico, I believe it's pronounced that. A mountain do a baja blast. <laughs> this accent is fucking terrible. It's so Italian. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, marron. Anyway, aren't you both Italian? I'm Italian. Super yeah. Italian. I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Very offended. So, so was Marie. <laughs> so these you people only hang with yeah, Italian yeah, yeah, yeah. ladies. Fuck yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, okay. it's not for you. Oh. <laughs> Racist. Uh, Beep it a bop. Okay. Hey, don't make fun of my family name that way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to do this for the rest of the show. A little bit of boogie and a bapo for you there. 
That's cussing in our language. No one knows what I'm doing. We speak it with hands. I'm just flexing my, my Italian wrists. You look like a baby bird trying to fly. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that's one way to make me stop doing stuff is roasting me real good. <laughs> like we would roast an eggplant for a nice Parmesan. Oh, my wrong. Okay. All right. Um, How dare you? <laughs> We are not all plumbers. Puts on a red hat, walks away in disgust. Jumps down pipeline angrily. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. It is weird that you guys really hate turtles, though. All right. That's the end of it. I promise. Yes, they're fucking shells, man. They think they're better than us. How dare you? Goomba, Goomba. Goomba sounds like an Italian slur. It is a slur. Oh, is it really? That's funny. Wait, what is it? Goomba. Goomba. No, but what's the... It's an Italian slur. I it's, mean, it's a it's slur like, for Italian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's... A Goomba kinda, is like the like little creatures the little from mushrooms. Mario. Oh, The, like, okay. brown like ones. Guido was pretty much a slur until Jersey Shore came out. Yeah, I also... We don't have to get into it, but a lot of slurs come from places that aren't necessarily the worst place you think of them? You mean like WAP, the most common one that stands for without papers? Yeah. Because when we arrived at Ellis Island, we didn't have papers? Just like kike. Kike comes from keikel, which is the sign for Jewish in that when we were coming to um, Ellis Island. And we would basically, uh, they were like, to save time, they would be like, okay, we got another kike. We got another kike. Mm. We're going to send them this way. Yeah, we got another kike. And then they started fucking uh, using it all derogatory. Also, in here... Earlier, when he says exterminate the Jews, that's a direct quote, but he didn't say Jews. He said Jaime, which I fucking forgot is a racial slur against Jews. For I always just think of it as like a Mexican name. Jaime? Like Jaime. Oh, that's funny. No, it's H-Y-M-I-E. And every time I heard it, I didn't think of it as a racial slur for Jews. I thought it was like a derogatory way to call women. Because Hymen? You fucking Jaime's? Okay, all right. We're all Jaime's for different reasons. Because yeah, I mean, we have to cut all of this out. Okay. Anyway, uh, so they're on Elohim City, and that's when that's when Richard and Pete take a little old trip with Mark Thomas to go visit Richard Butler, and they meet the Aryan Nation, one of the most feared and respected white supremacist groups in America. And Pete Langan had this to say. Um, it sounds like the Wizard of Nazis. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say they met in a cave, and that cave was Susan's vagina. <laughs> That's how they traveled. They all traveled. <laughs> She's all like right, a boa across. Oh, man. Yikes. Uh, you don't Close your know. legs, Susan. You don't want to know where the engine is. Okay. The Susan so. Brick Road. <laughs> It was definitely blonde. Um, oh. um, okay, so they go and... Talk this about is... a happy trail. Okay, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> so You've made me a very unhappy trail. <laughs> uh, they took a trip to see Richard Butler, um, who was on good term with Robert Matthews and uh, Matthew Thomas. Ray? Is his name? Rob Thomas from Santana? Okay, oh. sorry. And it is just like the ocean under the moon. It's so they, the same as the emotion <laughs> that I get from you. So Richard you got, got the kind of love and that can be so smooth. 
Give me your heart, make it real, oh, or else forget about it. it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 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 Fucking white people. <laughs> so Richard Guthrie and Pete Langan go to visit the Aryan nations. Um, and everyone really respects Richard Butler. And that's when Pete said this of The Order, which is, uh, you know, um, the group that we basically that they base their selves off of and then also the Aryan Nations and Pete said this they were fucking losers (laughs) they were nowhere near ready to start the so called second American revolution Aryan Nations had more security leaks than just about anything and the skinheads bunch of fucking greasers they were just there to get high it was an outlet for their frustration and rage he basically was against all of these people because they were so fucking political and they were so caught up in their own bullshit and patting themselves on the back and doing things like having a fucking Aryan World Congress. And he was... He is smart. I will say this about Pete Langan. Pete Langan reads a lot of literature that's not just the Turner Diaries. Um, they said that when they've done interviews, they've questioned him on it. He can, like, quote Shakespeare verbatim, uh, like, certain plays that he's a big fan of. I was gonna say, which plays, though? Because there's some that we can all quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, he knows, like, a lot of it. He also reads a lot of stuff. Harry Potter. Um, okay. I'm nope. gonna guess it's Othello. <laughs> Probably one of them, definitely. But... He just, he was one of the first people to see this shit and go like, you guys are not setting up the way that we're supposed to. You all have leaders and you all fucking respect yourselves as being like the head, but that's not the way that it's supposed to be run. The way it's supposed to be done is with no leaders and we're all supposed to fund this shit by fucking taking down the system. So that's when they left reinvigorated, went back to Elohim City, and he set up a plan. They were going to start the ARA, the Aryan Republican army. The problem is, is they could not recruit enough people to start the fight. So they came up with their own thing. They were going to start robbing banks. They were going to start robbing banks and funding groups that were ready to basically start the second American revolution. And that's when they came up with a set of rules that made sure that they would never get caught while robbing banks. The rules were the following. Only don't talk about Fight Club. Okay. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't talk about ARA Club. Uh, the rules were very simple. It was just only steal from the registers. Never go for the vault. Too much time. Um, always go in two people. One person to keep watch, keep the lobby in control, and one person to leap over the counter and to get all of the money. Three, always leave a bomb. The bombs that they used were always not real. They were either um, fake. The first bomb that they left at the in the January robbery in First Star was just two road flares duct taped together. <laughs> they were not always real. Some of them were actual pipe bombs, but they were all missing a detonator, the device that would be necessary for them to actually explode. But what this did do was this meant that the FBI, who had jurisdiction over federally insured money, couldn't move on with their investigation until the bomb was taken care of. Even though they all knew it was fake, you legally can't risk it. Right. Because what if it's the one time it's not fake, you know? Right. So they, they couldn't... They also, because they came in so quickly, 
Um, and they they came in so fast. They were done with all of their robberies in under ninety seconds. That That's is impressive. That is really fast. Yeah. They would burst in, get on the fucking ground. They would put make sure everyone was done, even if because so, the first time that they got that they robbed a bank. The reason the FBI was there so quickly is one of the tellers was able to hit the silent alarm and still go down and uh, call the FBI. And even with that, they were fucking gone. Um, they never spent the money in like public places. They usually took about three grand each to just keep to themselves to like pay for what they needed, and then the rest went into the fund for uh, starting the revolution. Did they have a split wise, or how did they? Okay. <laughs> I think they just had a joint account. Uh, yeah, marriage. Okay. Um, they never shot anyone. The guns that they had would increase in size and caliber, but they never shot anyone during a robbery. Mm. Um, they also decided that they would stay within the Midwest and small towns because they believed that it would be harder to track them because they would have less police methods of catching them which was not true but the thing that they did do inadvertently is because they were picking from so far as like Illinois Cincinnati Idaho the Midwest and also like the upper areas of I guess I don't know Chicago Illinois um I don't know if it's a fucking country <laughs> I have fucking California brain there's just us and then Arizona and then fucking all of portland all right it's all portland and then there's washington which i think is all seattle and then and then new york all right that's the country anyway <laughs> so um they because they had such a wide berth there there was no way of knowing where they would hit next they followed no pattern well and what they're also doing is because they're not doing like metropolis areas like yeah those police they're not equipped like yeah. no one that could save that could prevent that that could help that is within yeah. a they were also distance. specifically hitting federally insured banks so that way they would only be hurting the government they mm-hmm. did do that out of principle um they robbed 22 banks and that's when shit got serious so basically um there's an informant and this Ooh. this is where things get th- we're leaving is it susan no, I wish. <laughs> it's actually uh, Susan's clit. It was so, <laughs> it was so upset at never I've being I've seen here. it all. I've seen Yikes. the whole thing. <laughs> Trust me, I was never covered. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I was always undercover. Hey, yo. <laughs> I'm Susan's vaginal piece. <laughs> anyway. I hope that's never what you call it. <laughs> that's what I call Yikes. all vaginas. Um so here's here's basically the rundown of what happened. The story is super interesting. There are a couple episodes of Gangland and also uh, FBI Investigates that go into the story, but they don't fucking do it justice. This is like the fucking world's craziest movie script, and we're blowing through it. It's fucking insane. So there are things that they were able to get a couple of stuff. They started making small accidents because um, they would get a little cocky. They were out of the bank in 90 seconds. But one time, Richard Guthrie accidentally knocked down a teenager after he took off his mask. Because this was another thing they did. After they were out of the bank, 
masks off because they blended in with the normal society. They knock down a teenager. Teenager sees his fucking face. She didn't get hurt because they heard police coming, and so they just fucking booked it. All right? So they got face. Uh, also, because they took off their mask before they went in and when they came out, a couple people were able to take glimpses at some of them. So they had composite sketches for faces. Also, Pete Langan was once arrested for the failed or botched robbery of a pizza hut so where he used <laughs> a very federally insured no he's also <laughs> just a dumbass um so pete pete langan used the same exact method to rob a fucking pizza hut but didn't do it right and definitely got caught and also made threats to kill uh george bush senior and the noid yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> fuck i Right in it. Like, uh, so because he threatened the president, this warranted investigation from the Secret Service. Here's where we get into speculation zone um, slash conspiracy era place. Conspiracy place. Cons- oh. Conspiracy theory? Place. Place. I was trying to think of a cool thing. Conspiracy place just sounds the like the American version of Downton Abbey. Conspiracy corner? Fuck, that's good. That's so good. Anyway, there are conspiracies out there that state that Pete Langan um, was working the entire time as a Secret Service informant to get out of jail for the things that he did because there's no way that he was able to pass up that many felonies while getting out. So they let him out with the thought that he they would lead him to Richard Guthrie and then he just like fucking booked it away from the Secret Service and then they burned all evidence because they didn't want themselves to be known. Also... There was mention that information he had given when he was arrested before is he had information on an upcoming bank robbery that would involve himself, Richard Guthrie, and this up-and-coming explosives expert, Timothy McVeigh. Oh! Wow. Yeah, who he provided information to the officers about their plans to blow up the fucking... Uh, the the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, they just ignored it because they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about... But what about the president? And so there are things that say that they let him go. And then once he got under the radar of the FBI, the Secret Service went, oh, fuck, 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 and then just deleted everything. Hmm. So that's a little bit of conspiracy zone. They also did a bunch of shit to fuck with stuff because Richard Guthrie was a master at printing like fake IDs and shit. So they would register cars in the names of federal agents that were currently investigating them as well as they switched up their disguises and sometimes they would go in wearing ATF uniforms sometimes they go in using FBI uniforms one time I shit you fucking not they stole from point blank and went in as Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter (laughs) they straight up just had the masks and went in Uh, they also had stuff where they never referred to each other by name and had code names for each other Pete Langan was known as Commander Pedro, and his buddy Richard Guthrie was known as Commander Carlos. They also spoke Spanish to each other, but they're from the Midwest, so I can only assume that it would just be Andrea's accent, and then every so often, Andale! Donde esta la biblioteca? Andale! Andale! Andale. Commandero Pedro? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's bueno. just... He also went by the nickname uh, Pretty Boy Pedro. Anyway. Oh, was the idea to, like, make people think that they were not white? They did not cover up their skin. It was just really to throw a wrench in the whole thing. It's the theory of, like, that story of the time that somebody robs a bank, but they put a pink uh, sticker on their forehead, and no one knew what they looked like because they were so attracted to the pink forehead. You just add confusion to the mix. A mm. couple of robberies, it was said that Pete Langan spoke... Like, he was speaking Arabic, so he just wouldn't say anything. He would just keep yelling in fake Arabic. Um, it's just... The whole thing is fucking insane. And the way that they got caught is an informant... <clears throat> an informant for the FBI. Uh, a previous member was caught up in... Um, giving money to these idiots kind of like fundraiser style you know Mm -hmm. and so they were like well we won't arrest you if you help us set up a meeting with richard gunthry so they tried to do that but richard's fucking paranoid as shit so he keeps like changing the meeting doing stuff like this they set up a sting operation finally and he never shows up and then they get a call and he goes hey i can't meet you at the house because i feel weird about it you mind meeting me at this pizza place and he was like yeah sure so they tell the fbi they're all moving to the pizza place and as one of the agents is driving to the pizza place he sees richard guthrie on the fucking phone at a pay phone and turns around follows him uh radios into his buddies and they're all like tailing him behind and so they finally catch up with him richard guthrie runs away because he gets cornered he goes into a uh, cul-de-sac and he starts running away and one of the reports of the fbi agents was when they had him cornered they had this weird he had this weird face where he was literally deciding do I want to die today? Because he had weapons in on his person, and he was cornered, and he was trying to figure out, do I go to jail, or do I kill at least one of these FBI agents and die today? Mm-hmm. He didn't. He went in. He gave himself up. They arrested him. Um, they were able to get other people in using evidence that he gave up, because he's a fucking snitch, because all these people think they're Earl Turner, but all these people are fucking stupid. Earl Turner, by the way, is essentially the racist Jason Bourne, just so you guys know. Racist um, Bourne. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was really hoping for, like, a racist Chev Chelios kind of thing. <laughs> no, just a bunch of idiots. They all also give up each other. They didn't really know each other's names. So when they tried to get out the other people, he was like, oh, no, it's some guy named, like, Scott and some guy named, like, Kevin and then they went to the areas where they thought they were from Philadelphia and questioned them and one of them went oh yeah there's this guy named Kevin we've been on a watch list because we're pretty sure he's a white supremacist so here's all the information we have on that and they saw that it was Kevin McCarthy and they were like wait isn't that the name of like one of the lieutenants and then it was and then it was that guy and they because they had a composite sketch of him and they used it against his picture so they just fucking went in and got him and we're like we know you did it and he was like yeah I did it yeah 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 i did that shit and so they just gave me literally they just every time they get arrested they just go in and they're like we know you did it and every time the people are like yeah okay yeah i did it yeah you got me so they just gave each other up the the problem thing is deep down they believe in what they're doing so they don't really see like once they're caught they're just like yeah well here's the thing so the informant hangs himself so in prison um, because that getting arrested and giving up your compatriots is a sin in their eyes. Um, 
he dies. No one's left alive to corroborate Richard Guthrie's story, so now they need confessions and evidence proven from all of these people. And then Richard Guthrie himself hangs himself. So they basically are stuck with nothing. They're able to put a case together, but that's a story for another podcast and they arrest all these people and they got them and they're all serving prison time and they're all fucking dumb and the only fucking notable part of any of this stuff from the trial is this woman well technically man but looks like a woman identifies as a woman no 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 i mean this is a separate thing this is sherry who was a dress as a woman but Uh called herself a man kept demanding that she be let in to see her her wife in reference to Donna or Pete Langan. And that is when Pete Langan came out as transgender and became the gay icon that he is today. Hmm. And that's the fucking ARA. There's so much to unpack. And I called both of you last night to just fucking spew out the stupid shit that is this fucking group of dumbasses and the stupid shit that they do. Fuck! Fuck! It's over. It's all done. I wish that I I want to write this movie. It's such a good movie. <sighs> I just I I only want that movie written if it shows how dumb they are, like yeah. very explicitly. Because oh, like yeah. it does seem cool, and like it is something that I can see people idolizing. And then well, the thing so is, dumb. they were so they sent notes to the press and to the police mocking them they did things like they left newspaper clippings from timothy mcveigh bombing um not bombing on stage Eh, but yeah yeah, yeah. actually committing a bombing they would do stuff like that all the time and they were fucking crazy and they couldn't figure out what was going on and then they uncovered the fact that it was related to like white supremacy and then it was like wait what we just thought these were a bunch of fucking idiot bank robbers. But they had, like, an agenda which made it so much more terrifying. So they were... This is one of the situations where if I just gave you the facts, you would have thought these people were the most fucking insanely smart, capable people. Because the only reason they got taken down is through some dumb-ass shit. Because a couple of them were idiots. But really, when you break into it, they're all fucking stupid. They're all stupid. But also... Pretty bad ass. No, mostly stupid. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, come on, a little bad ass. Come on, mostly stupid. Mostly stupid. Mostly, mostly stupid. No. And that, yeah, that's all of it. That's the fucking oh god. Fucking damn it. Everyone who writes on this subject is also bad, by the way. Just so you know, all the books I have to read about white supremacy are, like, real dumb. (laughs) So, you're welcome for this fucking onslaught of stupidity. My name's Armando. If you want to listen to my brain ooze out of my fucking ears, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MondoDoesStuff. That's M-A-N-D-O does stuff. I want to (laughs) die. Uh, if you want to listen to my stupid voice spill out of my brain head, uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at RampageWesley or on Twitter at PageWesley. If you want to hear my face say things, you can follow me at Sundress Comic or check out my podcast at Andrea Loves Everybody. 
She really does. Uh, so, so many people. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna contact our podcast, I'm dead. I am actually dying. It's also hot as balls. Yeah, it is. I cannot I'm really wait sorry. to turn the air conditioning yeah, back so on. Sorry. Um, if you wanna follow our podcast, you can do so on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter, at Cold Podcast Show. You can send us one of them fancy schmancy electronic mail messages, email, <gasps> at coldpodcastshow at gmail.com. Please don't send us any copies of the Turner Diaries. I already have it! At 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, Like, like the, the Shining. shining. Los Angeles, California, nine zero zero six five. I have, I have it. I ha- okay. I fuck it. I read it. <laughs> I'm reading that, and I'm reading the Silent Brotherhood right now, which is just fucking. Oh, they're so dumb. They're so dumb. They're so dumb, but it's so interesting. I want to know, like, at what grade reading level those are written, if it's, like, a fourth grade reading level. Fifth, sixth, because that's when they all drop out, because they're <laughs> fucking dumb. <laughs> it's not a well-written book, either. I would understand if it was like Catcher in the Rye, where it's like, yeah, the character's not really likable, and he's kind of a dick, but it's supposed to be that way, so it encapsulates the way that we think we were uh, teenagers, so that's when there's a window where you relate to this character, but it's not! It's so fucking dumb! I'm sorry. It's dumb. <laughs> Are you okay? I scared them. I saw actual fear on page three. <laughs> okay. It was more than it sounded like you were about to go through the floor into the apartment below us. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> all right. I mean, all I have to say is don't drink the mayonnaise. Ah! Ugh. <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Unless it's an aioli. Ooh. I'll slurp that right up. That's just mayonnaise and spices. Wait, is mayonnaise made out of only the egg whites? Racist. <laughs> um, no, I think it's it's no, it's whites and yolks. Okay, I believe I, it's been a long time since I've made mayonnaise. No, I'm just curious. Oh, fun fact, just something I left out real quick, just so you guys know, the Turner Diary is also called uh, "Real Race Towards Puerto Ricans," not Mexicans, Puerto Ricans. Not That's surprised. Figures. Oddly specific. Not surprised. All right. Bye. 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 How long are we doing this? I don't know. I wanted to see how (laughs) long.